welcome to Season 2 of Renaissance Voices. We have both familiar voices from Season 1, as well as new authors and storytellers for you to enjoy. My name is Taylor Boyd, and I am thrilled to join the team as Christine's co-host over the coming weeks. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's get right into today's conversation. Welcome to season two of Renaissance Voices. I am excited about this season. I felt like season one was all that I wanted it to be. And a large part in that was uh, Good Fruit Media by Stephen, who is back to help me this year with the production side of things. Thank you so much, Stephen, for being on my team. You're a very valuable team member. Um, I... I want season two to be a continuation of what we started in season one. And what we started in season one was the different aspects of writing, the different aspects of what kingdom-minded literature might look like. We talked about creativity and um, a kingdom-minded renaissance and how God uses creativity to advance his kingdom. And so I I see season two as a continuation of that, but I also see us moving in some new directions. We are going to have some different authors that are are published or almost published that will be on season two. One book is about faith. Another book is a testimony from a lady who survived the earthquake in Haiti in 2010, and it's her story of of really maneuvering the city in in very dire situations and all that God did to bring her out of that. We are going to um, also interview some familiar voices. Will Taylor Boyd, who was so key in so much of what we did last season, um, is going to help co-host this year. And we're going to be talking to her next week. Um, but right now, Another familiar voice from season one is John Bates, my pastor, who I wanted to do the very first episode because I feel like he is such a visionary and I wanted to set the tone for season two as as a specific vision of what I know that we're a part of, my, my family's a part of our church, but also my business, Adel's mm-hmm. Publishing, is a part of. And I'm very honored to be a part of the vision of the House of Freedom. So welcome, John. Thank you, Christine. It's an honor to be here. Uh, I like your intro. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's really thank nice. Um, I have a specific question for you today, and I'm, okay. we're just going to jump right into it, if that's all right, right. with you. Right. We said we'd figure it out as we go. Exactly. Um, I, I, I know that freedom is an apostolic, prophetic hub right an apostolic prophetic church there that's kind of a buzzword to Mm -hmm. be honest with you but it really does mean something very specific right in your estimation how would you describe freedom i would describe freedom as a place where people come first of all to receive uh, healing and direction in their life it's a safe place Um, we've striven and you've been a big part of it to uh, get rid of religion and people get confused at that, but the difference is re- religiosity and spirituality. So we strive for spirituality, which is connection with God, mm-hmm. not 
religiosity, which is uh, religion is simply man's attempt to reach God. And in man's attempt to reach God, usually it's to impress other people. That's what I found. It, it's, it turns into that. So we try to remove the need to impress one another and really focus on God. And that is impressive to people who love God. You know, they get excited about that, and we draw strength from that. Uh, the prophetic bent of the church, uh, there are a lot of people who know God's voice. We, we train that. That's probably the number one thing we want to teach people is how to hear God's voice because that's primary and foundational. When you can hear God's voice, that's the really sets the tone for the rest of your life. And at Freedom, as we hear God's voice, we follow God's voice. We encourage visions and dreams and um, prophetic words out of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. We want to balance that with the fruit of the Spirit. And as we do those things, the prophetic nature of the church rises up, which is visionary. But without direction, um, vision doesn't have anywhere to go. And so that's when it morphed more into the apostolic prophetic hub. Because with the apostolic, you really have places to go and things to do. But if you try to be apostolic without the prophetic anointing, you don't know how to get there. You get lost in, in you win some battles, but you end up losing the war because you don't know what's happening. You, you don't see. And so it's a relationship between the prophetic and the apostolic that is completely necessary for both. Neither can function on their own well. That's so good. That's actually what I have on my notes here is I was preparing for for just kind of directing this conversation. I read an article about um, by Anthony Hilder, mm-hmm. and he said that the focus of the apostolic is to equip the church to know she is sent, meaning right. the church is missional, whereas prophets reveal the heart and mind of God as the church is being mobilized. Right. And so it's exactly what you mm-hmm. just said. We, we work together. So this is why this, the two should build together. We must know the heart and mind of God for a specific church community so that it can be sent out to advance the kingdom in its particular calling. Right. And I agree with you, Pastor, that our particular calling is our name, right? Identity right. is so important. Yes. And what is our name? It's freedom. Freedom. And I, I would say that's our calling. That's mm-hmm. what we need to take wherever we go, the identity of freedom in Christ. And that can mean so many different things. It, it's one big encompassing thing in the, in the sense that, that it's not religious. You right. can't get there through religion. You can't right. get there through your own efforts of trying to, to work yourself up to a place that pleases God. You have to first receive the work that Jesus has done on your behalf right. and understand that and l- then let it unlock you, right? right let right. it unlock who he created you to be. And I think so much of, um, for many of us, what we were brought up in maybe was much more ritualistic or it just was very, like we had to conform to a certain mold. But I don't find that to be the case with Jesus. Oh, not at all. You know, Jesus loves originality. Jesus is the original, Mm -hmm. right? And he has a specific 
idea in mind. Father has a specific idea in mind when he creates each one of us. And it's all based out of his character and his nature and what he wants to, you know, put in the earth. But each one of us has a destiny tied to that, but yet it's different. We right. all have different bents. We have different gifts. We have different understandings and things. And our experiences play a part Certainly. in things. And so when we can come into the understanding that our freedom is in Christ is based in what Jesus has done, we learn how to really cultivate the presence of God in our lives. And just as you said, we learn how to hear God's voice. Mm -hmm. It's highly relational, right? We have that relationship with him. You know, every relationship, like... It is different. My relationship with my husband is different than my relationship with my children. There's something that's unique when two people are brought into a mix of things, right? Well, it's kind of the same with God. Mm -hmm. He's the same. Yes. You preached a message on that. He's the same. He's the one unchanging place. Everything else changes. But we bring something different to him. And, and then us together bring something different to the table. What do you think about that? Well, I I like it because it's uh, really a picture of the body of Christ, the body made up of all the different parts. And this morning, I didn't think about all the parts of my body, but if one of them had been taken in my sleep, I think I would miss it. Right. Uh, I think it would show a deficit. By this point, I would be suffering, and it lets us know how needful the parts of the body are when we bring our part. And it's important that we find out what part we play. Right. You know, even um, Sunday in service was a little, uh, little different. But I asked people, if you were a body part, what would you be? I was the amygdala um, because <laughs> I understand the amygdala and the thinking process. And so, people came up. A lady was the skin. She likes to hold things together. One was the kidney because they, they like to flush things out. Um, even someone was the anus because they said they like to get rid of crap. So you know. <laughs> It's like, well, you're needful. You're needful. We need if that. If we didn't have that, we would be sick. Right. right. So, <laughs> so when people start realizing their part and their place in the body of Christ, yeah. we function together healthily. Right. I had a friend of mine came up and told me that she was the, the synapses because, oh, wow. you know, yeah. she likes to put all the pieces together. Right. That's I, cool. I thought that was great. What were you? I was, I thought of just the heart, you know, because I, I am fluid right and i like to feel the heart of god and then kind of move in right yeah i agree with that um but i i love the way you teach thank you john we're we've gotten rid of monikers it's the hardest thing for me not to call him (laughs) pastor um because can can i address that yes um it comes out of i've been a pastor now for uh, 30 years and been in ministry before that probably six years, so nearly 40 years in ministry. And I, I personally was never comfortable with any title um, because I just wanted to be myself. Mm-hmm. And I was raised in um, big churches, worked in mega churches where there was a lot of politics, a lot of governing, a lot of use of the title, not as honor, but nearly as control and manipulation. And so I, I always kind of was not comfortable with it. So I know now I make a lot of people uncomfortable when I say, I just want to be John. But um, I think Jesus was just called what? Jesus. Jesus. I mean, it, it, there were no titles, and we really don't need them. And as I become more just John, because there are different hats I wear, you know, I, I in some areas I function as an apostle, some areas as a prophet. 
some areas as a pastor and then as a teacher too. So instead of putting on different titles and hats, I just decided to be me. I love it. Yeah. And you you called freedom a safe place. Yes, and it's it is. those kinds of thoughts and mindsets that I think allows freedom to be a safe place. Yes, I agree. Because we really are all of us together seeking after that freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Freedom right. is a process. Like right. we get I I this is the way I look at it. When we come to the Lord, we really have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light. We are new creations and we move out of that new creation. But there's old mindsets, there's old emotions, there's traumas, there's things we've walked through that that want to tie us back to the old man. And those are the things that we're finding freedom from. Well, you, you mentioned something. You said with the title, pastor, there's a lot of honor in it. Well, with the title, Christine, which is your name, I honor you highly because of who you are. And it ties more into who you are as opposed to what you do. I honor you for who you are. Thank you. And that's, to me, a higher honor. Yes. Yes. And it allows us to really form family at church. You know, I think that's something people are missing. I think we've gotten away from it in so many ways. And yet when you read the scriptures... You see family. You yeah. see the family. It's brother of God. and sister. Yes, you know. And Jesus is our brother. I mean, yeah. he wants to break it down. And we, um, I was talking to a man the other night about it. He was having trouble with Jesus. Like, how do I connect with Jesus? I connect with God. I connect with the Holy Spirit, but I just can't connect. I need this huge relationship with Jesus. I need these Jesus breakthroughs. I was like, you know, let's break it down. Jesus said, "You're He's your brother," and He's making intercession for you right now he's in heaven at the right hand of god the father and he's also the master planner of heaven preparing a place for us so heaven is a construction zone and when he left the disciples he said peace out i'm sending holy spirit because <laughs> <He said, laughs> i got a job to do in heaven to really protect you and defend you i said so jesus is doing his job he's, he's doing everything and now he sent holy spirit to really be your friend, comfort, and guide. And I don't know, it's fun to explore those kind of things. It is. It is. And that, I, that to me, is the heart of freedom. It's what we do. And I, you know, if we looked back at this definition that we are sent out with a particular message and a mm-hmm. particular calling, our message is it really doesn't matter what pit you find yourself no. in. Jesus can run. He is not afraid right. to get dirty and he just runs right to where you are and he brings you out and he brings you back into himself and into family so that you can find that freedom. Right. You know, you have talked about that there are neurotypical markers right. of a Christian. Um, and you said there's four of them. Four of them. Yes, out of the Great Commission, which is really the last will and testament of Jesus. Imagine your relative um, that you esteem passing away and saying, these are the four things I need you to do. All the families gathered around and said, I want you to pass this on to the generations. If you love me and esteem who I am, you're going to do these four things. And those four markers were to cast out demons, to speak in other tongues, new tongues, to take up snakes and be able to not be poisoned by it, to eat poisoned food and not die from it, which I'll break that down in a minute. And the last one is to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. The third one has been confusing to people. And out of it, we have snake handling churches that we are not a part of. No. Um, I don't know if they ingest poison, probably, you know, practice with that. I know I've seen videos of them 
using torches on their feet right. during services mm-hmm. because it, it heightens their faith. So we're not about that. What I see that as being at this point in our culture and in our world is the plans of the enemy to really come against you and destroy you. We see Paul when he was shipwrecked on Malta, and he was picking up firewood, and a serpent came out and bit him, but it didn't affect him. It's the plan of the enemy to stop God's plan that is ineffective in our life. And that's, as a believer, what we need to believe for. So so those four markers. Right. And each one of those four fosters freedom. It fosters wholeness, healing, obviously. It does. And healing incorporates not just physical healing, but emotional Emotional. healing and mental healing and all the things that people are seeking answers for these days because there is an understanding that we need to be whole. I love this generation, the younger generation. You know, my generation, we weren't about wholeness. Right. This young generation really is. They're seeking after it. And that's what Jesus offers. Right. And, you know, just... Looking at these four markers, I feel the church, capital C Church, has too long looked at these four things as superstar Christian area, that normal, nominal Christians are just supposed to come in, sit on a pew, serve in a ministry, pay their tithe, but they're not going to do anything miraculous. They're, don't ask me to heal the sick. I don't. That's, that's a guest that comes in. Certainly don't ask me to cast out demons because that's for an exorcist wherever they're at. But these are just typical things. And, you know, we just came out of Halloween, and it's. uh, I was looking for a movie to see the other night. Couldn't find one. It was all scary, all demonic. Um, Hollywood has done a great job at scaring the church. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That demonic possession, oppression, depression is taboo. It's scary. Don't mess with it. It's really not scary. It's It's freedom. It's freedom. It's joy. And God has given us, that's part of the inheritance that we get when we come to the Lord is authority over these things. We just have to learn how to walk in it. And so often, I think most of, you know, when we talk about casting out demons, it really is just not agreeing with them and taking hold of the truth that Jesus has set us free. It's very easy. Right. Because they're, what I've found, break it down about demons, uh, they're kind of like little spoiled kids. Right. And when you stand up to a little spoiled brat, they lose. And you, you call them out for who they are, what they're doing. They can't win, so they leave. Right. You know? And that's what demons do. They have to go. You have the authority, and they go. Right. It's really easy. It's really easy. And and it's really easy when you understand that we have been birthed into a supernatural kingdom right? with all the benefits of our Heavenly Father who created the whole world. Mm-hmm who is, you know, all-powerful and all-knowing and loves us deeply with a love that we can't even fathom. Correct. And that all he is looking for really is to call us into, you know, this this beautiful understanding of what he's done for us and who he is, and he will walk us through anything. Yes. Into freedom. Right. I am very thankful that this is the message that we get to take, oh, you know, to the nations, because that's the other aspect of an apostolic right. hub is that it's not just this wonderful little place that we just hide out and keep to ourselves. Right. It's missional. Well, I think even some people who attend Freedom don't understand the scope of what we do, because we do have different groups. We have a core that is totally plugged in. We have a congregation that's there most Sundays, and we have a crowd that calls Freedom Home, but the crowd, I think, doesn't get what 
freedom does to the in the nations right. and how we move among the nations and really what we're moving into now. When I came to this church uh, nearly 20 years ago, the missions trips were uh, working trips where we would go and do construction and uh, usually using people who don't do construction. Right. And they take their vacation and they go and wear themselves out yes. and do a kind of half good job of building a third world church. They're exhausted when they come back. Sometimes we would sleep on the benches of the church that we're building or sleep in bug ridden hotels. Right. And it was just totally immersive, tiring, sun up to sundown, working and then doing services at night. But we didn't see much fruit. Yeah. And we really weren't empowering anybody. We were doing their work for them. And so we really changed the message of what Missions for Freedom is. Um, The church we'll be taking this year, Honduras, we will be speaking to 1,600 pastors and training them. In uh, Egypt, we'll be training 1,000 pastors and pastors' wives and ministering to their kids. So as we we go to nations, Pakistan, 5,000 pastors. So now we've shifted from building third world churches to building pastors right? and building uh, large groups of pastors and helping them function in an apostolic and prophetic manner. And what does that do well, for the nations? Well, that shifts them. Right. I mean, they're, they're very, and they're like sponges. They're very ready to receive. Um, Dr. Royer, who was a professor at Southwestern Assembly of God University, had a vision of freedom. He said there was a large uh, complex of concert halls. He said, and the people of freedom were in the hall, and they would walk into a room. There'd be an orchestra but it wasn't fine-tuned, it was kind of playing, and the people of freedom would get their attention, work with them a little bit, and they would conduct, and they would start playing beautiful music. Then we would move to the next hall. Next hall, he said, now, Phil, these are going to be nations. And I see that happening now. I do, too. That we come in and, and see, not they're not horrible, they're just not focused. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And call large groups of pastors together with their leaders and saying, this is, and, and I... Build relationship with the leaders first, gain their trust, tell them who we are, explain what we're doing, and then that trust is already built in for their pastors to receive. And they're all on one page doing the same thing, and it begins to be a beautiful song of freedom. Right. And that's what we want to replicate in the nations. That is that is beautiful. And when we're operating out of our identity, it, right. you know, knowing what our message is, what it is that we bring to the table when we go to the nations, I think that, you know, there's synergy in that. Right. right. Um, I have done some pastors' conferences in Southeast Asia, and each nation does have its own bent, they its do. own identity, its own need, right. its own understanding in its cultural context of, of what Christianity is. I love the Southeast Asian pastors because they are so on fire. Yes, they are. They just are so zealous about the work and and just seeing it all the way through no Mm -hmm. matter what. But I do feel like a lot of the times when I go, what I want to offer them is rest in the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. you know, and really let them just be energized by the presence of God and not have to work so hard. 
I can remember the first time that I went to Cambodia. They're up at like four in the hmm. morning, you know, and right. all the whole city just comes to life at like four in the morning and they don't go to bed till like midnight. Wow. And then all of a sudden everything just shuts down. Nothing is out anymore. And then at four, all the carts in wow. the city start coming out again. But what I noticed was I just felt like the people were in constant motion, mm -hmm. that there wasn't a lot of rest. Right. And to me, if I'm going to go back to Cambodia in the with the mindset of freedom that I want, that's the message I want to go with. You know that that there is rest right. in the work of the Lord. There is freedom in what He brings to the table, so that you are not burned out and and you can finish the work. Well, I've seen that in churches, in church world, because that's mainly what I've been in in the states where uh, people are wearing three or four or five different hats in ministry their families at the church four or five nights a week they're doing this and that running here and there and they're worn out and they're doing everything but connecting right with uh, their family with one another with god they're doing works of ministry right and uh so years ago at the church freedom we started having unplugged segments of time where we shut everything down and at first people didn't like it because they had to rest. They didn't know what to do with their time, but now people like it. Right. And it's, uh, I love rest. I just came off, slowly coming off a sabbatical, much needed sabbatical, and I want to do it probably every three years now because it's been so valuable to me. Rest is wonderful. And it, I, I just, again, just appreciate that because you really do foster a healthy environment for us to to grow in at freedom and that's what i think people are valuing these days right and we haven't even known how to do it no. we haven't known because we've all all of us have to break free from our mm -hmm. religiosity our mindsets of what it really means and and experience that liberty and that rest and that freedom in christ so pastor i just thank you and see i did it again i called you oh, pastor. that's fine but, I'll just um, call you pastor as well. Thank you, pastor. <laughs> no, that does not sound well. <laughs> but um, thank you for being my guest. Um, the very it. first That's an episode honor. of season two. I, I just, our family, my husband and I, we just, we are just so thankful. Yeah, I interviewed your husband yesterday. You did. He, he had wonderful. never done that before. He did a great before. job. Good. Powerful testimony. He does have a powerful yeah. testimony. You know, my husband... When, when people hear his testimony, they're just shocked mm -hmm. because he's such a, just a, like, he wears blue. He's right. like the most conservative guy right. and the most steady Eddie, right? You know, and they hear his and testimony. Now, I, now that I know him, he's the wildest person he I know. Is he is. Yeah. He was. was the wildest person I know. <laughs> but I think that wildness is still in him, but it's for the right things now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It's My been honor. great. You have been listening to Renaissance Voices. To listen to more interviews by your favorite authors at 8Ls Publishing, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You may also follow us on social media. Links are found in the show notes. Mm -hmm.